Hey everybody, it's Andrea. Today, this episode is just as current as it was 30 years ago. Split pea soup is a poor option. And we ask the question, when isn't Riker DTF? Stick with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, this week we are talking Season 5, Episode 17, entitled The Outcast. This episode was written by Jerry Taylor and directed by Robert Shearer. Riker falls in love with Soren, a member of an androgynous race that finds gender specificity unacceptable. Now, I don't super remember this episode, kind of like last week, where I'm like, I remember some stuff from it, but not really a lot. What were your initial thoughts on this episode? Oh, same, same. I remember kind of the moral of the story of this episode, and I remember like the last scene, or the second to last scene, I should say, but I don't remember any of the rest of it. Like, I don't remember how they came across this alien race. I don't remember how Riker fell in love with Soren or any of the other details. So for me, this was kind of like a first watch. I do remember, I do remember the feelings associated with this episode, similar to last week. Last week, I just had like yeah. a, a, a vague feeling about it. And mm-hmm. I just remember this episode being a really good episode. And I do think about it often. I have thought about it often over the years, but I haven't actually put it in my rewatch list. I usually skip right over it because I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember because I remember the moral of the story. I'm like, yeah, I remember the moral of the story of this one. Mm-hmm. And I kind of go to the next one um, where, you know, something like Conundrum, where I just watch over and over and over and over. Or totally. next phase where I watch over and over and over. Power play. Yeah, 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 totally. Mm-hmm. That was me. Like, I just remember being like, cool, it's an androgynous race, which even going into this episode, I was like, I love that we're talking about this episode. I feel like it's even more pertinent today. Pertinent. I love that we're talking about this episode and I feel it's even more pertinent today than it was like 30 plus years ago. I don't remember much from the episode first going into it, but I do remember it was seen as like an alien race that we'd never experienced like androgyny. But now our understanding of like gender fluidity just makes this episode all the more current, mm-hmm. which I was like, cool, like looking forward to, to jumping into this one. Yeah, totally. And and I felt like this episode was really a response to the public opinion about homosexuality at the time that it was filmed, which mm. was in, in the early 90s. This was filmed in 1992. And back in the 80s, the AIDS epidemic was just sweeping through the United States and it was decimating totally. homosexual communities, like just decimating. And so it was thought of as a homosexual disease, quote unquote, um, until it just eventually spread to everybody. And it's just like mm-hmm. something that in- anyone could get. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of understanding about it because it was new, similar to what we've experienced, you and I, Andrea, recently, or recently to the to the history of this recording with our last uh, pandemic. But it basically was a global pl- global pandemic. And everybody mm-hmm. was terrified. People didn't know where it was coming from or how to combat it. And it was extremely awful in the way that that disease would destroy human bodies. Like it, mm-hmm. there were all kinds of crazy side symptoms that made people really afraid. And that was in the eighties. So now you fast forward to the nineties and now we have whole movements of things of, of people saying like, it's, it's the homosexuals fault or I don't know, just all kinds yes. of weird things. And then people the being whole, like, like, this is God's answer to like homosexuals sin yeah, or, or something. Like and a, you're like, like okay. Punishment or like, yeah. It's, um, or like, you know, or like homosexuals were the source of it in the same way that our recent pandemic of COVID, recent to the recording of this, 
people were saying like, oh, it's it's all China's fault and it's a Chinese disease. And, and you know, that was thanks to our president starting that little bit of thought. Mm-hmm. But totally at the time, I think this was a very mm, actually at the time, in the early 90s, it wasn't as bad as it was in the 80s. In the 80s, it was really bad. But this yeah. was still a, 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 a subset of society that was under a lot of persecution. And I think that's what this episode was kind of made for, was to bring out this other idea of what if things were different? What yeah. if things were different from yeah. how we see it? And let's put it in a totally alien context so we can just see what this issue is without our pre-informed biases like from the outside. and ideas. Yeah, let's just see what it is from the totally from the outside without any, yeah. anything we've experienced or anything anyone's told us or what our parents have said or what our community members have said, like, let's just yeah. back up and look at this issue. Now, fast forward to today, it's talking about kind of gender not even being a thing. Like, we don't we don't need any kind of just agendered people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, in our current climate, it's a very hot topic. So yeah, yeah. this episode became relevant all over again for a subset totally. of society that is is like still finding its way into mainstream. So it's just, this is just a great episode. I, I agree with you as well. Like I was really excited to get into this episode because I was like, wow, this is like so current with like what we are seeing now and like what our understanding of, you know, gender fluidity, mm-hmm. um, transsexuality, gender yeah, gender roles, binary, yeah. non-binary. I think you're right. Like, you know, I remember seeing this episode when I was little and being like, cool, it's an alien race that doesn't have boys or girls. That's weird. You know, like just looking at it through the lens of a little kid mm-hmm. and looking at it today, I was like, whoa, this is so great. Like the language that they used 30 some odd years ago to write this episode and express like the viewpoints of like mm-hmm. the Janai and the Federation. It's like, it's still like pertinent today. The only term that really wasn't used was they, them as a, as a gender as pronoun. A pronoun, right? Because they mm-hmm. didn't have options. So at the time they were yes. just like, we have a word, but it doesn't translate, mm-hmm. which makes sense that it wouldn't translate because we don't have a word <laughs> yes. in, in English yes. for it. So it makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I really, really love this episode. Um, what do you say we just jump right in? Let's do it. Cool. Um, so the Enterprise is working with this androgynous race called the Janai to investigate a shuttlecraft of theirs that's gone missing. And they get to the designated coordinates, but like there's no shuttlecraft. And they're like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, I I don't remember much of this episode. What you know, when I watched this today to talk about it, I was like, I don't really remember any of this. I don't remember what the circumstances are that brings mm-hmm. this androgynous race to the Federation, whatever. Data does detect some unusual neutrino emissions and they launch a probe and the probe is like transmitting, transmitting black. Like, and I was like, is it a black hole? Some mm-hmm. sort of cloaking something? Time, like, what? space, continuum, rip? Something. Yeah. Something. And they come up with this super cool null space theoretical hypothesis. And I was like, whoa, we get like a new term. They sort of figured out that like, with the creation of a new star system, some turbulent regions of magnetic and gravitational fields may develop. And these fields can develop into abnormal pockets of space. And it can absorb electromagnetic energy from anything that enters it, like a shuttlecraft or that probe. And the energy around it is bent, so it sort of naturally cloaks it, so you don't see it. Until and I was you like, run into dang. it, which is terrifying. Basically, it's Until a Bermuda you run into triangle it. in space. 
completely completely and i was like what a cool elegant explanation as well they just did this like three sentence explanation and everybody goes that's exactly it everybody goes uh-huh that's it all right and like we're convinced <laughs> i was like cool <laughs> great i was no totally space convinced. i was totally convinced. i was like this checks the math checks out <laughs> yeah so we see so we see um we kind of start with this discovery on the enterprise bridge but in the next scene we see them on the Janai's planet mm. and we see you know them explaining this to their scientists and so the solution that Riker proposes Jordy has come up with is that they take another shuttle from the Enterprise and they magic it they add some kind of special like technology retrofit to it, it some way yeah. yeah they 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 jerry rig it so that it will mm. have enough energy to last for a little while inside the pocket it won't immediately lose all power mm-hmm. and they have just enough energy inside of that shuttle to transport out the crew of the shuttle that w- the Janai crew that went missing which mm-hmm. it's it's two crew members and they figure out through their understanding of their shuttlecraft and their backup systems and whatever that even though it shut down their shuttlecraft that went missing that yeah. they still have 10 days of life support based on whatever technology should backup systems should still be running so i was like oh that's yeah. handy because otherwise like how what an awful way to die um, yeah, just to asphyxiate like yeah, within oh minutes. Gosh, like, awful, oh my God. Awful. But yeah. they have a solution of sorts. That part I was a little less clear on, but whatever. They have some kind of solution. <laughs> I know. I was like, you're <laughs> going to take an electromagnetic shuttle into, into an, an EM desert vacuum, but it's going to work still. And you're it's, not okay. So, so remember, <laughs> do you remember last week I was talking about with the, with the wharf? surgery issue i was like i'm glad they didn't just 24th century magic wand it and magic a problem away yeah they kind of did that with this one a little bit but okay they kind of have did it right they kind of were like we can just magic it but then also we could also die so they did throw in some like (laughs) but this might not work ish to it but it was it wasn't as clean it might not work ish yeah yeah last week's was very was very clean like the explanations you're like 100 i get it this week every time they explain the shuttle again i wrote my notes Wait now, how are they going to do this? Like, I can't mm-hmm. be like, but I don't understand. Wait, they're going to go in and then come back out. Oh no, they're not going to come back out. Oh, they're going to go in and they're going to beam them out. Wait, how are they going to beam them out when they can't come? Wait a minute, but they can't even communicate with the ship. How are they going to beam if they can't communicate where they need? How to are they going to know like when to beam? Of, there was like a lot of question marks going on, but whatever. Yep. That's not even the point of this that's, episode. Clearly, that's no, the B plot. That the B plot is people are going to die within ten days, and we don't know what exactly they went missing. So we've got less than ten days to figure this yep. out. In the meantime. Riker partners with this Janai scientist named Soren, who we actually don't find out Soren's name till halfway through the episode. Um, oh. There was not even a name mentioned. And I was like, why does not, why does this person have a name? <laughs> and then eventually we get a name and I'm like, okay, kid. Um, because we did have one episode before we had a character who had no name throughout the entire episode oh, all the way yeah. to the end. So yeah. I was like, uh-oh, is this going to be that? You're like, then Jerry. I, yeah. Yeah. But then I thought, well, but maybe that makes sense because their conversations are all about pronouns and whatnot. And we can't yeah. call this person a her or a him or a name. So I thought that's really interesting. But well, they yeah. didn't have a name. As, the, as they're working together, um, Riker does stumble, stumble over these gender pronouns because Riker is talking about another member of the Janai science team. And Riker's like, well, do you think he will have an answer to us by XYZ time or something like that? And Soren is like, him, he? And I like that Riker says the thing that we all would be thinking if we were to meet a race that has no, let's say like an alien race that has no gender or has something that like we identify with closely is like, for the most part, mm-hmm. some genders, but like, they don't, it's like, well, well, what is the right word? I, you know, and I love that Riker always comes from it in the most respectful 
respectful of terms. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? I've been really stumbling around with words the last couple of days. We've been working together. I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, what pronouns do you use? Do you use it? Like that would be, that for us seems very disrespectful. And Soren says that the Janai do have a gender gender neutral pronoun, but it doesn't have a human translation. It's like, okay. And they kind of work together and they get to- And I can relate to Riker too, because I've had, I've had friends who identify as non-binary, but Mm -hmm. when I met them, they identified as binary, right? Mm -hmm. So like I met them, they were female, I met them, they were male, and they identified as male. And then later on, they were like, no, from now on, I'm they. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I will try my best to do that. And just letting you know, I may slip because now Mm -hmm. I have this long habit of every time I see you and talk to you, I use this pronoun. Yes. So- I, like I've had that conversation. You and I are teachers. So, you know, we yes. both have several students in that position. And, yes. I've, and I've told every single one of those students, like, just so you know, I am going to do my best. And I apologize in advance because I will probably make some mistakes. Um, but, you know, feel free to correct me and I will continue to try to be on that. So I yeah. I'm, I totally yeah. relate to Rikers being like, how can I do this respectfully? And mm-hmm. I'm probably going to F it up. Sorry yeah. about that. And, and, and Soren was very much like, don't worry about it. This is, you know, it's, we're two very different alien races working together. I'm sure it'll be fine. And they finish up their work and they go to 10 forward and Riker gives Soren his dad's split pea soup. And I thought that's kind of a risk because split pea soup is something you either really like, or you kind of really don't like. Also it's green and lumpy and mushy. (laughs) So to a race of people who have never seen or tasted split pea soup. Even if you're a human who's never seen or tasted it, it's like, <laughs> ah, what are you giving me? But you can right? have the same like, argument for feels any Feels a little food. weird. You could do that for any food when you, when I think about it. Even ice cream or bread or anything. If you've never seen this alien dish, the textures, the colors, the flavors are all alien. I think you're. I think you're right to a certain extent. But I do love gastronomic anthropology. I I love that because I love to cook. I actually have some garlic confit focaccia bread like rising in the oven right now like i love 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 to of make course stuff you do. <laughs> <laughs> my whole house smells like garlic and rosemary and olive oil and it's amazing anyway. vampires beware <laughs> so i always think about food and like how food tells a cultural story yes and how across most earth cultures like you have some sort of bread kind of like a starchy bread you have some kind of either like a rice or a pasta you have like all you know many many cultures have some sort of i think of like my mom is colombian like colombian empanadas which is just sort of a dough around some like meat Mm -hmm. and vegetables right that's fried you have some kind of protein Mm -hmm. yeah like some protein and starch and vegetable kind of it encompassed in some kind of dough and fried or baked in italy they have calzones which are just like giant versions of that in peru they have other versions of that but they're baked instead of fried in china they have dumplings which is the same thing right where it's like obviously because there's been Mm cross-culture exchanges a lot of foods like marco polo discovered noodles when he went to china and then brought them to italy and then that's how italy got noodles and pasta but like there are a lot of like similarities between different cultures where it's like, oh, that's your bread version. This is our bread version or mm-hmm. our starch version or our meat version or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, but I feel like. Let's, the pea soup doesn't tell the story of humanity. I kind of feel like it doesn't. It's just this, like, <laughs> I, can't like, I, don't, I feel like, can we start with like, I actually wrote like, can we start by maybe something that's like fairly universally beloved? Like, let's get Troy in here and introduce Soren to some chocolate ice cream, mm-hmm. right? Or something. Or, or like pasta. Bread. Like you or said bread. bread. That's a very 
Like there's so like, many different ways to do bread and bread solid. Like you can and, definitely. And, like, and who hates bread? Yeah. You know, some like, people hate bread because bread hates them. Like I get yeah. that. But for the for the people who don't have allergies if, and whatnot, like yeah. my goodness, but even if, delicious. Even if even if bread hates your body, you don't hate bread. You're just like I can't eat it because my uh, right. You're bummed. But pea soup, I was like, this is kind of a lot, right? You're sort of hitting sore with a lot right now. I never thought of that because I am not into gastro. Whatever you said, um, gastronomic gastro-anthropology. anthropology. But um, gastropology, maybe. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not into gastropology. <laughs> Like you are. <laughs> However, that's a really good point. And I never thought about food telling a story, cultural story, like in this context. Never thought about that before. And you're right. Split pea soup does not tell the story. It, in this context, it tells no story at all. It like, tells the only story it tells is maybe Riker's upbringing where it's like, this is my dad's recipe. Right, this is said, what oh, we it keeps you warm used. in Alaska. But yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. Could we have done sushi? we have done which again is like we have done really weird for like your first you know however it tells a story (laughs) it's very much like because of fish and because of like it tells a story and you're you're absolutely right and split pea soup is kind of a it it's almost like tomato soup like i want to introduce you to earthling food here's some tomato soup and you're like tomato soup it's extremely acidic and it'll upset the shit out of your stomach and if you so much as have a little nick on your gums on your clothes it's gonna (laughs) It's going to burn like hell. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what kind of Klingon blood wine are you giving me? Anyway, so they end up discussing the differences between like gendered humans and gender fluid Janai. And I think it's such an interesting conversation that was written exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. Um, Soren is like, well, what are some differences between males and females? Like, what are some physical differences? And, you know, he kind of does the childhood rhyme of like, Girls are sugar and spice and everything nice, and boys are snips and snails and puppy dog tails or something like that. And Soren is like, literally you, the you, worst explanation ever. You I have a dog's tail. Yeah, I was like, don't do that, Riker. <laughs> yeah, like let's not introduce metaphor at this point. No, like, no, no. Let's this just is not be the real time specific with what. Yeah, different. vaginas do X Y Z. Right. Let's yes. just keep it really, really like very specific. scientific. Yeah, yeah. So. Riker does say, like, men tend to be bigger in bodies, have more kind of muscle mass on their upper bodies. Men cannot carry um, birth, though. They, like, they can't carry their young. Like, the women do that. He asks Soren to describe, like, life on a planet where one experiences life as, as, like, both genders or maybe neither. And he's like, well, who leads when you dance? And Soren is like, whoever's taller. You know, stuff like that where I think that, Which makes like, sense, too. You're like, sure, it, why not? Why not? It's the most parsimonious answer it's just the simplest most obvious explanation is probably the one that's it and that's it and i love that soren says this at one point and then at some point Riker and dr crusher later kind of say this too where soren is like i've never had to think about describing what my life is like as androgynous person i just am and like Riker and crusher both kind of say that where soren is like well what's it like to be a man or what's it like to be a woman and they're like i just am i've never had to think about like what it feels like you know which is like Mm -hmm. this is really really cool very cool conversation um except that uh soren's like team leader krite arrives and kind of gives like some stink eye to soren and suddenly soren is like much more formal and distant and it reminded me of the um conundrum episode where troy 
you know, where everybody was in like the, the brain wipe mm-hmm. and Troy was like trying to be really sweet with Riker and they were being sweet with each other. And then Ensign Roe oh. walks in <laughs> and she's like, I'll see you later. Thank you for the thank you for the book on tape. Have a pleasant and professional day. Like, <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. I was like, oh, yeah. She immediately stands up and she's like, great. Please take my chair. I will see you later on, Commander. Good day, mm-hmm. sir. And just like mm-hmm. walks off and you can see Riker looking like um huh? b- bye okay yeah um, and Krach is looking back and forth like mm-hmm, what's going on here mm-hmm. and uh, that was like to me i wanted Riker to pick up on that body language and be like okay why is crate so interested in us having dinner but whatever yeah. like it's, it was very subtle like we notice it because we're supposed to but he yeah. just notices that soren just got weird and left and it was like mm-hmm. okay well okay <laughs> so they just yeah. kind of move forward next thing you know they're on the shuttle and they have this plan to map the pockets by using some harmless phaser fire again it's a little bit techie magic but they're gonna map the pockets good i feel like i feel like they kind of gave a little explanation about it that i was like oh okay what they were gonna do was kind of go around the perimeter what they think the perimeter was since it's invisible right and fire h- harmless fire uh, harmless phaser fire into that space mm-hmm. and wherever it disappears the computer is going to map the point at which it disappeared so if you fire like a thousand shots at it mm-hmm. from all different angles you can kind of map out like it disappeared here 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 so now you know it has this sort of shape or that kind of shape and mm-hmm. i was like cool okay like that's actually a brilliant idea that's really cool like it it gives us kind of like a real world idea of like what you could do if you don't know the size or shape of something and like ways to figure it out it is interesting. Cool. It is interesting. And also, what are they going to do with that information? Like, is that going to tell them how far, like, what's that going to tell them? Because they still don't know where the shuttle is inside of this pocket. Right. But if the but if the pocket of space is ginormous, then they're like, okay, we're going to have to break this down by quadrants and maybe try searching whatever. But if it's like a relatively small pocket of space, maybe the size of like 10 shuttlecrafts, it's like you can easily go in and just see it from wherever you are. Mm-hmm. But if it's like the size of a continent, it's like, okay, now we got to like come up with come some up with another plan. plan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So they're in the shuttle. They're doing that. And Soren, whose name we still don't know at this point, um, <laughs> because all of my notes is like the Janai question uh-huh. mark. Like all of my the notes Janai say person. that. And then, uh, yeah. And then later on, it's like, oh, that's her name. Um, and we find out later. She kind of goes by her. But at this point, we don't mm-hmm. know. So it's just the, the Janai yeah. in my notes. Mm-hmm. But, so at this point, they're mapping out the pocket. And Soren asks Riker about his sexual organs. She's yeah. like, tell me about your sexual organs. Typical and- watercolor chit-chat. Yeah, the <laughs> huge. So Riker's like, We're in the middle of a mission, kind of? Yeah, I wrote in my notes so many times, time and a place, Soren. Time and a place. But but if you're really curious and you don't know, it's like, sure, you could just kind of ask whenever. Sort of. But also, well, I thought, like, in her culture, or in Soren's culture, um, this topic probably is not an awkward topic. And it it just isn't. It just isn't. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. asking it wouldn't seem inappropriate at all. It's just different in different cultures, right? So that's kind of my excuse for it is, is that, this wouldn't be a weird question to another Janai, but was a weird question yes. to Riker. 
And but Soren picks up on Riker's hesitancy and is like, was that an inappropriate question? Like, can I not mm-hmm. ask that? And Riker's just like, not at all, not at all. Like, basically, ask me anything. I'm an open book. And he just says, yeah. but there are some things we just don't bring up in casual conversation. But I'll absolutely yes. tell you. And he does go on to to tell her whatever she asks, which I thought was mm-hmm. really mature, very generous. Yeah. yeah, very generous of Riker. Really, he, yeah. He does say, like, for humans, the sexual act brings closeness and intimacy. It can be very pleasurable. And it turns out that the Janai inseminate a husk that they've kind of developed over the eons um, as being like the most low risk way to propagate their species. Mm -hmm. And um, sexual activity, the way that we know it, is seen as like, offensive it's primitive it's not very involved actually what what soren said was that the um the carrying the baby part they do it in the husk because it's the most low risk however all the pleasure that happens before the insemination of the husk Mm -hmm. it's all like the same or better it's the same yeah Yeah. or even better because because soren was like it goes on for a long time it's extremely pleasurable it's really adventurous we do all kinds of Mm -hmm. stuff and then at the end we inseminate the husk so that part's not that sexy but all the other parts are really good. And I was like, I bet Riker would get down with this. Like, if he was down with that foot washing ceremony, I think he would be totally down with the <laughs> with the Janai ceremony, with their whole mating ritual. I think he would be so down for it. The um, way I picture the way I picture the Janai inseminating a husk is like two people turning the keys to the nuclear code. <laughs> like, like, you know, you have to look at each other and be like, three, two, one, do it. And they both turn the key or whatever. It's like that kind of like I pictured business. it. I pictured it like um, like sea creatures, like fish or something. I pictured it oh, like the okay. female comes along. It's like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And the male comes yeah, along. Yeah, leaves like, eggs. Please. And then they just yeah. go, they're like, all right, bye. Yeah. Best of luck. <laughs> Wish you all the best. So and I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask our audience, how do you guys think? How do you picture <laughs> that the Janai would inseminate a husk? <laughs> I want to know. Either message us at the TNG podcast on Instagram or info at the TNG podcast.com. Drop us an email. I really would love to know because I was like, this is some non romantic turning of like the nuclear key <laughs> to launch an attack or something. Like two people have to do it and they have to be far apart. <laughs> that, that's exactly what Riker said. Riker was like, mm, well, our way is way better. And that's when Soren was like, I don't know. Our way has a lot of stuff going on. And I was like, mm-hmm. I think Riker would be like, tell me more about this meeting. Yeah. That you have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at that exact moment when they're getting into the good stuff, one of their nacelles bumps a little edge of the pocket, which is why it's really, really good that they are mapping these pockets for moments mm-hmm. like this. So they don't accidentally bump the thing when they don't mean to. Yep. And the engine goes down. The shuttle starts flying off wildly off course. Riker's, you know, calming Jordy, like, get us out of here. And Jordy's like, okay, we're going to tractor beam you. And in all of this chaos, Soren um, gets injured. She gets like mm-hmm. tossed like a rag doll in the shuttle. And that's yes. when Riker turns and goes, Soren. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's the name. The name Soren. Like, it's at that moment when we finally, finally hear this person's name. <laughs> and um, next scene, we've got Soren recovering in sick bay. So it seemed like a very minor injury. Which is good, yes, because we need we need Soren for this mission. This is like really important. These two people are yeah, and they're dying. We yes. don't know how many days it's been. Yeah, um, it's been uh, at least a couple of days because they've had a dinner and a breakfast and like a something. Yeah, and I think like, Riker said over the past couple of days that we've been working together. So it's been some days. Exactly, it's been a few days. It's been. A I few want days. them to look more stressed out than they do. I know, <laughs> like, right? I it's like be- people are literally laying there unconscious with no hope of survival unless you get them out. You might want to step on it. 
Yeah, let's now, talk about genitalia after we rescue them. Yeah, and then I'll give you all the PowerPoint slides. In sickbay, Beverly is treating Soren's concussion, and Soren asks Beverly what it's like to be a female. And this is that moment where Beverly says, being a female is just who I am. Like, I never thought of what it's like. And that actually made me kind of pause and be like, what does it feel like to me to ident- identify as like a cis hetero female? And I was like, it doesn't feel like anything. It feels like regular life, right? And I was thinking if somebody like Soren came along and asked me these questions, I don't know how I would answer. I think I'd answer the same as Beverly, which is like, I don't know. It's just what I am. It's like the trill being like, why would I ever tell you I'm trill? Like I just am. That's Mm -hmm. just part of who I am, right? Mm -hmm. So Soren does ask which gender is superior. And Beverly says that in the past, women were seen as weak and inferior. And that hasn't been true for a long, long time. And all I could think of in this moment, Cherise, was how meta that must have been for Gates McFadden to recite those lines, knowing full well that she was cut from season one of TNG because there were, quote, too many women on the show when there were three of them. Mm-hmm. And knowing how women are treated in Hollywood with the mm-hmm. whole casting couch and all of that shit, even today, mm-hmm. must have been infuriating to recite that line and be like, but we've solved that long mm-hmm. ago. And it's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. You know, and like Marina Sirtis, who plays Counselor Troy, saying that like, she's had to tell costumers and like producers and stuff to literally get their hands out of her uniform and off of her breath, like her bare breasts. Because they're like, I just need to adjust you real quick in the uniform. And she's like, you're groping me. Get off of me. It's like, oh my God. So. Yeah, super, super painful. You know, thinking about that question of what it's like to be, to identify as a woman or or whatever way that Soren might have meant it. Yeah. I think, I think similarly in the sense that what is it like to be a woman just isolated that that question isolated there's maybe not a lot of answers because it's like, I don't know, it's just my normal life, but I can give a lot of answers about what it's like to be a woman of color living in the United States based exclusively on how I am treated by other people in the United States. So my experience as a woman is I can point to lots of things. Like I can describe my experience perfectly, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what it's, what it means to me to be a woman um, outside of the context of how I'm treated. Like, I I don't think I would have an answer for that because um, yeah, exactly what you said. It just, it just kind of is. It so just is, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a really big question. And I also agree with you that reciting that statement, I don't know what Gates McFadden may, maybe was feeling when she said this and hopefully she wasn't feeling anything. She was just doing her job. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I hope, but, I hope that. Yeah. But I think the, the idea behind the writing of that line was someday we want to create a future where there is true equality. I think that was like the mission statement of this whole episode was like, someday we want to create a world that actually has equality. Now, ironically, in the very next scene, we see Worf being super sexist, but like we, I wasn't surprised. He's a Klingon. Like that is kind of how they are. However, the Klingon women are not weak at all. The Klingon women are hardcore warriors. So it was a little, it was a little, it, like on one hand, you're like, oh, I could see him being sexist because he's all like, work. but then on the other hand, you're like, but no, because I don't think Klingons would be like that because they're very I agree. 
the women are just as strong and powerful and clever and cunning and everything as the men. So I agree. It was a little bit off weird. brand. It was a little yeah. off brand for Klingon to say that because Not the really women sure are just why. as, yeah. Well, because they needed somebody to be the voice of the other who doesn't approve of this kind of thing. And if this was written as allegorical for like, you know, homosexuality in the early 90s, there were lots of other voices saying this was right. okay, this was a sin, this is a whatever. So we right? needed so they somebody had to, have, to be that dissenting you, voice. You needed that other voice, right? So th- he's playing poker with Data and Crusher and Troy, and the game is Starfleet Day or something like that. And and Worf is like, why Starfleet Day? And Troy's like, well, because Starfleet was founded in 2361 or whatever date. So like two, three, six, and eight. Thank you. Twos, sixes, and aces are wild. And he's like, this is a woman's game. It has, like, too many handicaps, basically. Like, too many wild cards. Mm -hmm. You only need wild cards if you have a weak hand. Like, a man's game wouldn't have any. And poor (laughs) Dr. Crusher was like, and I just came from giving this whole speech about how, like, this is no longer a thing in, like, gender norms. And he's like, well, who are you saying that to? And she's like, one of the Janine. And he's like, the Janine. I don't approve of them. I don't approve of having no genders. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, like, and he really had just... no, no likes to stand on, right? It was like, why not? Well, back to our game. Like, there was he, just no, well, there was no, there was nothing. He he said, like, that's like, what? Why do they bother? And he's like, I don't know. It's like, and that's what a lot of bigotry is. Yeah. They bother me. Why? I don't know. There's no okay. reason. It's just Can kind you... of, it's just an other it's just an other, it's just an otherness. It's just a xenophobia kind of thing. So when he's really called out on it, like in a very gentle way, because Deanna is the MVP of the season, as I said last week, and Dr. Crusher is just freaking awesome all the time. Yeah. And like, neither of when, them are offended whatsoever. No, Worf's they're comments just like, or behaviors. They're like, they're just more dealing like, the cards. Yeah, they're just like, okay, Worf. When they call him out on it, he quickly changes the subject back to the game. So it's like, come on, Worf, like, you know, you have no leg to stand on. Now, Here's where some really good stuff starts to happen, I think, for in my opinion. In the shuttlecraft, Soren and Riker are working on making repairs, and Soren reveals that they find Riker attractive. And Soren gives us a sort of history of the Janai, where way back when, the Janai did have binary um, genders. And um, it sort of gradually moved towards an androgynous race. Um, but there are those who are born different and they are throwbacks to a time where gender existed. And Soren has identified as female in secret since childhood. And it's illegal on the Janai homeworld to identify as a binary. So those who identify as binary, like have to live in secret. If any of them are discovered, they're like surgically and psychologically altered to like return. They like basically like pray the gay away sort of like they do these like alterations to like, quote unquote, cure them. And I was like, oh, my God, what what, even if like even if you take out the allegory for homosexuality Mm -hmm. and you look at, you know, not people who identify today more openly as non-binary and people are just culturally, we're just sort of at the beginning of understanding this. I was like, what a wonderful inversion of our own planet. When -hmm. looking at something that seems so different, we realize exactly how similar we are. Like in many nations, homosexuality is punishable by death, never mind being non-binary or gender fluid or asexual Mm -hmm. or anything. Like Mm -hmm. in a lot of countries still today in 2022, homosexuality is literally punishable by death. Like many, many people still believe that there are only two genders and those who identify as anything other than that are ill or need to be cured or need or have issues in some way and it's like it just i thought it was a beautiful inversion where like oh no if you have 
a like binary gender that you identify as on Janai, you're sick. You have to live in secret. You mm-hmm. can't be discovered. But like, think about that. Even 20 years ago here as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Like, this is exactly how people have had to live. I mean, I don't think, I feel like we didn't have the term non-binary 20 years ago. No, but, but like, but, but surely people existed other. who were yeah. like, I feel like I was born in the wrong body or something. Or it's just, like, I don't mm. really feel like either one would be like, yes. what does that even mean? And you're like, yes. I don't know. I yes. like the same thing. I don't know. That's just how I feel. I feel like yes. neither, neither gender really resonates. I don't really know what mm-hmm. that means. Um, cause I, the, the term non-binary is actually relatively new for me. I don't remember yes. hearing that word ever as a kid. Even like up in the five 80s. or eight years ago, I don't think I remember mm-hmm. hearing it. Yeah. yeah it's a very new term. I agree. So this episode was very much ahead of its time. And, and Soren tells oh a story God. about being a small child and having another child at the school who, um, preferred being male, who had a preference of being male. Yeah. And this child was bullied and beaten and eventually taken in for psychotherapy. After being beaten, they the the administrators were like, "Oh, this child must have been beaten because they think they're, they're male." Yeah, because yeah. they're different. Not not like why did these other kids beat somebody? Like that's not okay. It was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, there must be something wrong with the with the kid who got beaten." So they took him, he identified as a him. They took mm-hmm. him for therapy. And then when they returned, they were quote unquote cured and so happy to no longer be a him and to fit in with society. Now, I will say looking at this episode from as an outsider, just it's like horrific. Yeah. And I understand it from the point of biology. Like this is how society works. Society works by creating a bunch of rules that everyone mm-hmm. agrees to. And if mm-hmm. you don't agree to those rules, you leave, you exit that society. Yeah. So there, and there are all kinds of rules. I mean, there are legitimate laws that societies make, but there are also many more just unspoken, unwritten rules yeah, of yeah. how people behave, of, of hierarchies, of how do we treat government, of how do we treat children, how do we treat, like all the stuff, the, there's so many rules that make a society what it is. And mm-hmm. in order to change a society's values or beliefs, it usually takes a lot of time and a lot of inciting incidents for things yes. to happen. And then the cultural shifts happen and then new rules get written. Um, yes. So I do understand it from the point of society being cohesive, that they're trying really, really hard to keep everybody the same. They don't want anybody falling outside of the societal rules that they've that they've decided everyone that everyone has decided everyone's going to agree to. Yeah, so I do understand it biologically, but ethically and emotionally, it's just it's really horrific. And I can imagine Soren being like, well, I'm not telling anybody that I identify as female ever, like even even taking the risk to seek out males people who identify as male in her society to me is such a risk because i just feel like what if they're a double agent what if they're what if they're going to tell you i don't know i just percent very scary 100 that's i mean that is what i feel the level of persecution has to be and has definitely historically been for those in the lgbt plus community who let's say you live in a small town you're a gay boy or girl or whatever, right? Or something. And like, you're, you're wanting to find somebody like you. You want the companionship. Yeah. You're lonely. And you how want do love. You, how, how do you tell and people how do you, anything? How do you do that? Judged? You have to become really, really good at like reading between the lines. But then it also becomes this like, are you reading between the lines and seeing who this person really is in secret? Or are you just hoping to see that? Making a presumption and making a fucking fatal mistake and accidentally outing yourself to like the worst person Who's going to like now spread your business all over town and everybody's going to know and you're the social pariah. Like it's a very, very scary thing. It's really scary. 
And it makes me truly sad that even like 30 years after this episode aired, parts of the world and even still parts of the U.S. who are extremely against that. Yeah. Where things have not changed. Things have not changed at all, if not even gotten worse. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God. Yeah. So that does break my heart. It was a moving story. Yeah. And just, just terrifying. And I also just thought, I mean, well. At first, when when Soren confessed that yes. she identifies as she and mm. second confession that she is attracted to Riker. Yeah. Well, girl, same. Yeah, right? It's same. Yeah. Get in and, line, Soren. <laughs> and then and then Riker's like, I had a feeling. It's like, of course, Riker knew all along. Yeah. He is R- he... Riker's radar is like yes. his attraction radar is like level five trillion. It's extremely <laughs> sensitive and it's always yeah. correct. Um, it's always correct. The answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. His yeah, but... magic eight ball is always <laughs> yes. Always there into you. Yes. There's only one option in his magic eight ball. Yeah. If, and... you, if you took it apart, every side of that dice would just say yes on it. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say right now, question mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but but when so- at first when Soren does this, I was like, time and a place, Soren. Time and a place. Maybe not when yeah. you're underneath the freaking hood of the panel with the little space screwdriver maybe finish this project first go back to 10 forward or to quarters or something a little more not in the middle of this dangerous mission but whatever whatever the conversation was good the, the I, and i guess I maybe they were done because they were done and they were the alone so and they were in kind of a small space where like yeah. nobody else was going to intrude it's better than 10 it, forward i think because 10 oh, forward was yeah. kind, of a, kind of a risk no for them to do that. no 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 because crate was gonna come swaggering Jeez. in and fuck everything up ruin the whole crate, by the way crate is the perfect name for that asshole <laughs> i don't know what it is but it's the perfect name for that person anyway Crate kind of reminded me of what was that punchable face from season one whose head exploded uh remick yes. kind of reminded me of remick yeah. just in this like why are you in like, everybody's business don't you have a don't you have a job to do? Don't you, you have shit here? you need to be doing on Why your own? Why are you in 10 Ford? That's my question. These yeah. two are taking a, a break, a much needed break from their hard work. What are you doing here? You need to go back yeah. to the planet. People are allowed to eat together, crate. Yeah, God. but in any case, this was a beautiful scene. And and it Soren was. was kind of like, just think about it, Riker. And then like walked away. And I was like, Riker doesn't need to think about anything. The answer is always yes. Soren, where are you and going? And it's always right now. Yeah. Yeah, where are you going? Come back. Yeah. The answer is yes. yes. Um, but it was a very sweet moment. I think it was. Now we get to kind of like the action, the action climax of the B plot, and the shuttlecraft enters into the null space pocket, piloted by Soren and Riker, and they immediately lose contact with the ship, which we knew was going to happen. They've been in there for like two and a half seconds, and the shuttlecraft powers down to eighty four percent, and then after like six seconds, it's down to like thirty two percent. You're like, oh god, you guys have like four seconds to find yeah. this team and get them out of here now. They find the shuttlecraft and really they just kind of look out the window and go, there it is, <laughs> which I was like, thank God, because you're right. If it was a huge area, even like a city block, yeah. you wouldn't be able to see. Also, I did think it was interesting, a cool ju- juxtaposition that when they went in it, it was white instead of black where you're like, dang, that that's cool. kind of cool. That was very matrixy. I like that. Yeah. So they find the shuttlecraft. They have this like couple unsuccessful attempts to beam the unconscious crew members over, which of course manages to like drain the shuttlecraft even more of energy. Mm-hmm. They manage to beam them on and they do sort of this like rock star move because now they're down to like 9%. 9% yeah. They don't have enough to exit. And you're like, fuck. Right. But of course, Riker's like, beep, 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 
boop and he he's does like we're something. transferring all energy all power from life support from everything we're transferring all power to the transporter and we're getting out of here because if we don't we'll be dead within an hour so yes. we're just going to transfer and we have no way to tell the enterprise that we'll be dead within an hour so yes. we're gonna transfer everything and soren's like um but if you transfer from this system over here won't that make no time no time no time right? mm-hmm. we have we have 13 seconds left in this conversation and Riker's like yeah it will make the shell explode however we're gonna die anyways if we don't get out of here so boop, 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 boop. It's also, set. Let's go. also i'm sorry there shouldn't be any sequence of buttons that you could push that's gonna make a fucking shuttlecraft explode why is that on the menu <laughs> i mean may, maybe they're because they're taking like maybe power an, from the maybe like an overheat field. or something maybe yeah like a take, warp core breach ish well yeah because they have a containment field that's like a force field but if you take the power away from that the whole thing would explode so I'll buy okay. that. I'll buy that all they're right, rerouting fine. all their power, including the stuff that's supposed to keep them from not dying. Like they're rerouting all the stuff that's going to yeah. cause them to die. But he's like, we're going to die anyways. And I thought mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is kind of similar to last week's episode where Worf had the option between killing himself or doing a really ridiculously dangerous procedure that had a good chance of killing him. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let's do the procedure. Either like, way. Yeah. It's like probably going to end up place. dead. Yeah, so this yeah. one, I was like, yes, I'm on Team Riker. Reroute everything. Reroute life support, lights, LEDs, whatever support. Re- re- reroute <laughs> all of this. All Windshield of wipers. Yeah. Yes. Everything. Replicators. And we find out earlier, which I didn't know this, that um, shuttles usually don't have any kind of armaments. I was like, huh? Oh. But this one was fitted to have those photons just for the mapping. Oh, um, but I was like, right. oh, that's so interesting. Because so many times, I mean, like when sense. Jordy got kidnapped, we were like, he couldn't fire, but they powered down his ship. I didn't know mm. they didn't even have any weapons, which yeah. I think they changed later because I think I think shuttles have weapons later on. But but here Ooh, they said they we'll don't, have to we'll have to keep track of that and see. Now they they do end up like clearing the null space pocket and Yay. landing in sick bay and all's well that ends well. And Crate um, thanks the Enterprise and invites them to a reception of gratitude. And eyeball Soren, obviously suspicious again. <laughs> and on the surface, which is we get to see this beautiful little planet, you know, Riker's sitting outside at this like, you know, diplomatic thing. And Soren comes out and he's like, you know, I'm just an outdoor kid. I don't really like doing indoors. I don't like doing big meetings. And I was like, you're kind of in the wrong job, but sure, whatever. I thought and the he- same. And Soren even brought that up. Soren was like, don't you do this all the time? And aren't you kind of used to it? And Riker's like, I grew up in Alaska, the great outdoors. Riker, we have never heard this phrase from you before. I just love the great outdoors. Yeah. And don't like being in parties. You were like Mr. Party. On your so, downtime, you gotta okay. come forward and you play the trombone. You don't go fishing in Alaska on the holodeck, <laughs> but whatever. But but Soren's like, would you like a tour of the botanical gardens? You know, like the, our planet is really beautiful. Would you yeah, like me so to show you around? Plants. Yeah, I was and afraid like, that Soren was going to start flirting with Riker right there with everybody else in that other room. And I was like, time and a place, Soren. Time and a place. Time and a place. Please do not Riker, start flirting. Riker is like, I love exobiology. And as a biologist, I feel the same way. I'm like, ooh, some sort of other life? Cool. So <laughs> Riker could not around, care less about exobiology. No shit <laughs> given at all. He's like, plant, <laughs> animal. That's all. That's all Boutte. I needed to pass. That's yeah. what he was here for. He he understood that little cue, which I thought was yeah. very wise of Soren to be like, let's go for a walk away from yes. my eyes. Yes. Because Kite is freaking stalking me. Scared at me Kite, right now. Kite the Cretan is being an asshole right over here. <laughs> is being now, a creeper. Get yeah. out of here. Kite why are you why are you all in her in her business? Kite, aren't you in charge of a bunch of shit? <laughs> Don't you have stuff? Isn't this to your do? party? Go greet Picard <laughs> yeah. or something. Go go. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Stop hanging around in doorways, <laughs> sniffing around for trouble. Anyway, Riker, Riker 
pulls Soren into a kiss, which is very sweet. And then, you know, the next scene we see Riker goes to visit Troy to ask her advice. And this is something that's really sweet, but still I can't totally wrap my head around because I don't think I would be visiting an ex that I still have feelings for to discuss the person I have more feelings for right now. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh, because it's not, they're not just friendly and exes. What if your ex was a, as, was a counselor that was a therapist? Um, I feel like there's a lot of other therapists I could probably... But I on the Google Enterprise, it's just Troy. Okay. I guess. I, yeah, I, I guess don't know. There is the computer. <laughs> there is the computer. But, the you know, Deanna is like, she doesn't really even advise him to do anything. They just kind of talk about their friendship. And he's like, I hope it won't change our friendship. She's like, it will. But that's what friend, you know, relationship dynamics are. They're constantly yeah. changing. But I'll always be your friend and maybe even a better friend to you with this. And then they kind of have a little kiss that's like cute. But it's like a friend kiss. But I'm like, maybe you shouldn't be doing friend kisses when you're romantically kissing somebody else. But okay. Can I just point out that I've never had a friend kiss like that? I don't yeah, kiss no. my friends on the mouth. Like no, none of them. No. Male, female, non-binary, don't care. Do not <laughs> kiss my friends on the mouth. So that part, I've I was had, like, I've had exes right that I have maintained friendships with to some extent or another. Like I'm not currently friends with any of my exes now, but like, through, you know, throughout the years here and there, um, we did not kiss after we dated. But okay. But sure. Right. <laughs> fine. Okay. But it was, that weirded me out. It was, was, like, it was just weird. But weird. okay. So so here's where things actually where the A plot climax starts to hit. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God. Riker goes to meet Soren because they have some wrap up work to do. And Krite is in Soren's quarters. And I'm waiting Riker for that, Riker. How weird is that? Because Krite is a cretin. Okay. And informs <laughs> Riker that Soren has been taken into custody. And this is literally the worst possible thing that can happen to mm-hmm. Soren. It reminded me of watching Handmaid's Tale where one of the women was discovered to be gay and they rounded her and her partner up in a van and drove them to like some empty area and hung one of them to death from like a crane, like a like a like a construction crane mm-hmm. and like strung them up and the poor woman had to like was like bound and gagged and screaming and crying and like watching this and i was like dear god this is oh my god this is like the worst thing ever so they have these proceedings you know to put soren on trial for daring to be different and Riker storms into the proceedings and it's like, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. I, I love that. Soren. I love I, that. I, I came on to, I came on to them and he covers for Soren and Soren. And they're like, is this true Soren? And Soren's like, no. And she is tired of lying to protect herself. And she does not need to be saved. She doesn't need to be. She's like, I just tired of living a lie. She's yes. just so over it. She's been doing this since as long as she can remember. Mm-hmm. And now that she's been found out, which was her worst fear, her worst yep. fear that people would find out. Now that they found out, Riker comes in and gives her a total out. And all she had to do was say, yes, I yes, he did that. that. He, he did that. And, mm-hmm. and Riker would have had no consequences and, you know, nope. everything all would have been well, but she was just tired of living a lie and she just yep. couldn't do it anymore. And she yep. was like, no, it's all false. And you just see Riker like, what? Soren? No, no, like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Say what I said. Agree with what I said. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but then Soren gives this really great impassioned speech. Worth a watch just for this speech. Okay. I love the speech. It's so beautifully and so perfectly written. I cannot possibly do it justice by paraphrasing it. So I would like to share the speech with you guys because it is exactly what any other or different 
people have had to deal with since the beginning of time. I am tired of lies. I am female. I was born that way. I have had those feelings, those longings all of my life. It is not unnatural. I am not sick because I feel this way. I do not need to be helped. I do not need to be cured. What I need and what all of those who are like me need is your understanding and your compassion. We have not injured you in any way. And yet we are scorned and attacked and all because we are different. What we do is no different from what you do. We talk and laugh. We complain about work. And we wonder about growing old. We talk about our families and we worry about the future. And we cry with each other when things seem hopeless. All of the loving things that you do with each other, that is what we do. And for that, we are called misfits and deviants and criminals. What right do you have to punish us? What right do you have to change us? What makes you think you can dictate how people love each other? So that just really, I mean, when I watched that, I was like, it, Soren says so many things in there that really resonate with me. Like we have injured no one. What right do you have to change us to prosecute us? You call us deviants. What makes you think you can dictate who we love and how we love? Um, And I know people who are out as gay now, but have had to live very closeted lives with parents who suspected they were gay and like made them in quote in air quotes, like act straight. So they had to like live a lie until they were like, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Until you they know, pulled a Soren. Until they pulled a Soren. And like, she just said that with such grace and such dignity. Um, It just blew my mind. It really did. It was really beautiful. It was really beautiful. And immediately after she stopped speaking, the judge is like, take, take them into custody. It was just like, yes. spell on deaf ears. Because again, going back to this idea of societal norms... They do not want to rock the boat. They want everyone to be the same. And when Riker protests and is like, no, you can't do this. Wait, wait, wait. The judge says, I know we must seem really cruel to you after hearing that speech. 
but everybody mm-hmm. wants to be quote unquote normal, right? Everyone wants to be normal. Everyone wants mm-hmm. to belong. Everyone wants to fit in. That's what that's what Soren really wants, even though Soren is now saying she's a she and all of this. Nope. Soren really just wants to be normal and fit in. And that is true to an extent. Like everybody does need to belong. That is absolutely a human need. We need we have a need to belong mm-hmm. in community. That is 100 mm-hmm. percent true. The challenge is that this judge is saying that need can only be met by doing it our way. In this and one community. In, yeah, yeah. In, this, in this one there's way. Only one, there's only one way to fit in. This there's way. only one way to fit in. There's no other ways to fit in. And there's no other communities you can fit in. You have to fit in this one way. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to be different, we will have to go in and change your brain so that you will want to be like everybody else. Yeah. Which is... um it not only is it horrific, but it's so like anti-American, right? Because yes. Americans are so about like independence and self-expression. Individualistic. All of, yeah, very individualistic um, society that Andrea and I belong to. So the thought of being uniformed even to your sexual preferences is like, holy cow, like that is a lot of control that you mm-hmm. just do not need to have over me at all. And then Riker makes all these great suggestions like, I'll take I'll take her with me and then you'll never have to deal with her and she won't be a bad influence on the rest of the society and she can she can have asylum with us and all this stuff and and the judge is just like thank you but no Soren really wants to belong to this society and we're going to we're going to help we're going to help Soren that's what we're doing we're helping and I guarantee you because this we have a 100% success rate that after the procedure Soren will be happy that's the thing with the arbiter the arbiter truly believes the arbiter the arbiter truly wants to help Mm soren and believes that this is the way to do it and that's Mm -hmm. it when soren makes her beautiful speech the arbiter says thank you soren admitting your perversion will make it that much easier to begin treatment i was like perversion Ugh, you know like excuse me and and she's led away and she's like but you know and i was like god damn it she just kind of walks and i do feel like i don't know what i would do in in soren's position however living your whole life as a lie and you're like 30 and finally it's come out Mm -hmm. i think i would just want to break too one way or the other i just would be tired of the tired of the hiding and the fear that terror you're going to be found out every time she finds a lover it's like you know just you know looking over your shoulder hoping they're not a secret spy hoping your boss doesn't find out and your family doesn't find out and your friends don't find out and hoping nothing slips and hoping you don't accidentally make a little look at somebody that you've been you know what i mean just like all of that fear at some point i would be tired of it too and i feel like Mm -hmm. this would be a relief although i wouldn't want to give up my identity i would feel like just having people know on the record what I believe would like, be a I'm relief. still Sharice and this is who I am. I'm yeah, still the same person. I, would be I just don't want to hide anymore. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's like very short lived, right? It's like yeah. a good three minutes where she gets to be herself and then she's led away and you're like, Ugh. Uh, well, and Riker course, is trying hard and I thought all his solutions were valid. I was like, yeah, what about that? What about that? What about well, that I mean, one? Come on, look at the masterpiece society where like that scientist just got to do asylum. Like asylum has been a thing. Yeah. Remember when Riker was discovered to not actually be an alien in that first yeah. contact episode uh-huh. where he had sex with that in super that creepy garbage episode. Yeah. Stupid ass episode. But like <laughs> some of those people got asylum because that scientist who discovered the that truth one was like, scientist I can never, got asylum. Yeah. I can never, I can never unknow what i have discovered and then like in masterpiece society that scientist yeah. and like 26 didn't people... even ask for it though soren was just like didn't even well, fight 
was just like, well, whatever. Well, I think, I think she was just so like, like everything happened so fast. I was like, mm. I don't even know what to say or do. Mm-hmm. Riker obviously goes to Picard. And of course, Picard is like, there's nothing we can do. Prime it's directive. the old prime directive song and dance again. Mm-hmm. Um, And <laughs> Riker's like, the br- <laughs> this time we're going to agree with it. Yep. And so he's like, God damn it. Riker's and like, like kinda- thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Goodbye, sir. And you're like, Mm. He does this whole like, may I be excused? And Picard's like, okay, like you're clearly not going to hear anything mm-hmm. I have to say. Yep. So what's the point of being like? And another thing, right? Worf comes by no to point. quote drop off our procedure for placing buoys around Null space, but really it's to say like I know what you're going to do, and I'm going to go with you. Which is which, nice. This is a redemption of that nonsense from the beginning of that. Hundred percent. Which you're 100%. right, does not, does not align with Klingon culture and certainly does not align with Worf because he thinks, if anything, he thinks Klingon females are like the best type of female in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and he said that many times of like, oh, you know, human females can't Nobody handle me. It's a Klingon like, female. Or all yeah. This stuff. yeah. So like, well, I think that himself, it was, I think right here. I think, I think that that is actually a really great way because even if he doesn't approve of the Janai, he doesn't approve of being non-binary, he doesn't approve of being androgynous and not having genders, Riker is his friend more than he yeah. doesn't approve of the Janai, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'll go with you. So they beam down to the planet, they use these little binoculars and they run around in the bushes and they play G.I. Joe mm-hmm. and they knock out the guards and they take Soren, And she refuses to leave Janai and as Riker's like come on let's go let's go we realize very quickly like it's too late like they've already treated her and Soren is gone mm-hmm. and I was like oh which was super sad I know in a way I was glad that they didn't go the whole asylum route again because I'm like okay we've done asylum like five times this season mm-hmm so I'm kind of glad they went a different route, but I was really sad that this was the route, though. I was like, it's too late. She's already, like, been treated, in altered, air quotes. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. she's already been altered. She's already been, like, psychologically, surgically altered. And now she's, like, a blank template of the rest of them. I was like, oh. Yeah, and Riker's like, well, maybe maybe Dr. Crusher can undo whatever they did. Like, Riker's Probably. Still, still holding out hope. He's still grasping at straws. He's not letting her go. But Soren is just like, why would I ever want to go back to that? I'm happy. And Riker's like, but I love you. And Soren's like, I'm sorry, and just walks away. And I feel like, again, Soren is actually happy. And the reason Soren is happy is because Soren is no longer Soren. Yeah, it's because so, Soren is gone. So Soren yeah. is happy. This new version that's been reconstructed um, to be non binary is legitimately happy, but only because the Soren that was identifying as female is now no more, that Soren was miserable in this society. So it does make sense that there's a 100% success rate with people being happy because everything that makes them feel like they don't fit in is gone. And now they feel like they fit. They know that they fit in. They fit into the very core. So they have that sense of belonging while losing that sense of self. Yeah. Really heartbreaking. It's it's really sad. Yeah. Just to see Riker be like, but, but, but. And the Soren that he knew and loved is gone. So even if he did kidnap her and try to give her asylum and all that stuff, She's no longer even a her. 
And she doesn't have those feelings anymore for him. She doesn't want all. to be there. Yeah. He, he's Soren just like, does not want to be there. Yeah. He's just like a plant or a tree. Like, it's just like, yeah, whatever. You know, all mm-hmm. those, all the, the chemistry and connection and the secrets told in the shuttle and all of that's gone. It's really. All of that bad. is gone. Yeah. And Soren still has like memory of doing those things, but it's like, I can't remember why I even wanted to do that. So I'm really sorry that I behaved that way. And I'm sorry if I led you on, I don't love you or anything. You know, it was really sad. And all Riker could do was just watch Soren walk away. Who's no longer a she, she's back to being the pronoun that we don't have Mm -hmm. that we don't know. Right. But we can say them, um, back on the enterprise, you know, Riker reports for duty back on the bridge. And I think Picard kind of acts like he doesn't know what happened. And off they go. Picard very subtly asked Riker if he was able to say goodbye in front of the crew in just a really beautiful way. He just, he goes, you know, we have, we have this mission that we've been called to, in but I wasn't system, sure. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I wasn't sure to, I wasn't sure when I should tell them to expect us. Is our business with the Janai finished? And Riker's just like, yes. And he's like, all right. And since that, of course, or whatever, I thought that was a really beautifully subtle way of being like, did you say goodbye? Is it over? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. and I, I am convinced that like, he just acted like he didn't know what happened because of course he knew any he knows time, his people. <laughs> n- well, not even, not even no, like, sure. He knows his people. And I mean, so much as a vase tips over and like scanners indicate like an unauthorized transport down to the surface. Come on, come on. Um, so they take off for the feeling system for their next mission warp six. And that's where it ends. And I got to say, my final thought here is I really love this episode so much. Um, I don't think I would want it redone, but if we did redo this episode, like if we refilmed this episode today, the only thing I would change is that the cast be non-binary actors Mm -hmm. to like honor that. But Mm -hmm. otherwise, like, I mean, this episode is perfection in my mind in my mind it's got the sci-fi aspect to it it scratches that itch but it's the it's the human heart issue you know Mm -hmm. and i just i really really love it what is your final thought on this episode yeah i thought this was a really powerful episode that still seems just as relevant today as it was when it aired in 1992 and i am just deeply impressed by that yeah i agree i think the writing was like sublime Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, All right. Well, guys, it's a little bit of heaviness in our heart that we take off Warp 6 for next week. But when we get there next week, we're talking Season 5, Episode 18, Cause and Effect. It's a super fun episode. We can't wait to break it down for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.